And here we go. Um, it was truly a masterpiece. I don't know about all that. Ugh, absolutely the worst movie ever. Hands down, bar none, the greatest action spectacular ever. Well, uh, the other one just stuck them up. Are you asking me? I promise I'm not going to sing this time around. Welcome to the Don't Be Crazy Podcast. I'm Justin Kavanagh. With me, as always, is Mr. Zachary Rancourt. Here we discuss and dissect what makes a film absolutely amazing or just pure rubbish. All that we ask of each other is don't be crazy. Don't be crazy, Zach. Well, uh, stick them up. I will certainly not. Yeah, that's a catchphrase. <laughs> put it on a t-shirt, put it on a sticker, put it on a decoder ring. Yeah. Wait, what? Stick them up. <laughs> stick them up. <laughs> um, happy birthday, birthday boy. Thank you, thank you. It's uh, been quite a day. I've got. Uh, I went to bed at at forty, and I woke up forty one. <laughs> I'm getting old. I went to bed pre midnight. Sounds like a John Cougar Mellencamp song, right? I know. <laughs> I have rules. I got to be in bed by midnight, or I turn into a gremlin. Ooh, and you can't and, eat after midnight, which doesn't make sense because then when it's do you like eat? Always after midnight. <laughs> yeah. <I> no. <know. laughs> Stupid. Oh, jeez. I love Gremlins, though. That movie's nuts, especially oh, when the man. mom's being terrorized by the Gremlins in the house, and she's got to yeah. cut them all up and throw them in the microwave and all kinds of crazy shit. Yeah. That movie scared the shit out of me. It was on the Disney Channel when I was a kid, and I just was terrified. Yeah. Absolutely terrified. The 80s has some pretty uh, remarkable horror films. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. They're just... I don't know. It's It's nuts. Uh, Ch- but I've had Charles a Band day. universe, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I did. I've had a wonderful day. Uh, I got a lot of lot of phone calls. My my dad called me for the first time on my birthday in like twenty years, so that was wow. awesome. Um, he does call, but to wish me happy birthday, it's just never on my birthday. <laughs> this time it actually was, so it was kind of cool. Cool. And um, yeah, it was great. I had a had a fun little day. Got lots of neat presents and and uh, thank you very much for my Raisin Ramon shirt and my. And my air fresheners and and all kinds of goodies. Hell yeah! Shit. Now you got to do the razor's edge and then throw your yeah. toothpick at someone. <laughs> yeah, I could do that. But no, it's it's been a wonderful day. I have such wonderful friends and family. So thank Hell you. Hell yeah, man! Well, we all love you. We all like to hear your voice and see your face. And, no, and yeah, <laughs> and all your Justinisms, basically. Yeah, a lot of those. <laughs> I know. Too many. Of them, see? <laughs> Way too many of them. See. <laughs> And it rubs off on everybody. I mean, Steven said this on the pixelated that people just end up saying the shit that you say and like all end up saying it to him like, God damn it. Why did I do that? <laughs> like lately, I've been going, whoa, because you always go, whoa, do I? <laughs> yeah, you go, whoa, something's real edgy. <laughs> so I don't, I don't remember that at all. <laughs> I do. I do that often. Alex says, I say, how can that be? You do say time? that. <laughs> I have no memory of that. She's like, she says it all the time. How can that be? How can like, that be? What are you saying? <laughs> I was fat. I was fat. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> that's the new one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, real quick, uh, some some house cleaning. Um, last week we did In and Out, and there was the movie within the movie that uh, Cameron Drake was being nominated for, and. Um, for the Academy Award. And we were talking about our favorite movies inside of movies. And we totally forgot about uh, Miss Albert Hannaday from the <laughs> season five episode of The Office, where it has Jack Black and Cloris Leachman and Jessica Alba. And Jack Black and, and Cloris Leachman have this relationship where, you know, she's super old and he's kind of the young buck. And it's so goddamn funny. And I love it so much. And I can't believe <laughs> we forgot to mention it. I'm ashamed. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I uh, I was thinking about that one, too, and I just it completely fell off my list. I did not 
I didn't remember about it. Or I didn't remember it, I should say. And yeah, it's very, very funny. And I love I love that Jim and Pam are having the the conversation not about the film. And Andy's like, God, they really know movies. <laughs> right there, it's all insightful. <laughs> I, I, I could never be a film critic. I could be an art critic. That yeah. art is bad. <laughs> right. Or a food this, critic. This, this food, food is bad. bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's like going up this. Speaking of gremlins, she's actually going up the the stairs on one of those little chair elevator things. And uh, Jack Black's like, uh, "You hit the reverse button, reverse the button." It's so funny, I love it. <laughs> oh, that's anyway. great. That's so, so uh, great. what have you been watching? Well, um, I spent the weekend in Portland, and it was like 113 degrees there, so it was absolutely insane. We've had a massive heat wave in Seattle, and it's. Uh, unlike anything I've ever experienced here. So that was pretty interesting. So just a lot of time on the water. But uh, I did enjoy putting on the Fast and Furious because we were talking about that. And I think you guys were talking about it on Geek Legacy and it just reminded me. And I was like, race wars. So watch that one. Really love that movie. Uh, It's basically Point Break, but with cars. And then Too Fast, Too Furious, which is pretty bad. Uh, That seemed like a direct-to-DVD movie. Uh, they didn't have any other Fast and Furious movies on HBO Max, so I was kind of bummed out that I had to end the journey right there. Sorry. But uh, it's okay. In preparation for this podcast, I watched The Nun because I had not seen that one yet. And um, I don't know. It's okay. It feels like a 30-minute TV show is what it should have been. <laughs> but like, uh, you know, like a X-Files or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched Stand By Me. I really love that movie. It's it's uh, so much better, actually, with time, too. I think it's an underrated classic, in my opinion. Underrated? You think it's underrated? No, I don't think it's underrated. Isn't it a classic? (laughs) Uh, I think it's a classic. So, yeah. And then um, I started watching I Think You Should Leave. And it's uh, 15 minute sketch comedies with Tim Robinson. And oh, my God, it's so funny. I think you would would laugh a lot. You would you would be laughing and laughing and laughing. So that is all I watch. But uh, what about you? Uh, Yeah. So I I finished Jujutsu Kaisen and it's easily one of my favorite animes of like ever all time mm-hmm. um very excited about that and where it's going and uh, i watched the con so uh <laughs> in the spirit of this week's episode i decided to to take a trip through the conjuring universe and i i watched in this crazy order i watched conjuring first i watched uh the third one the devil made me do it <laughs> then i watched the conjuring 2 then i watched annabelle and then i watched conjuring so Weird. a little bit all over the place I, well, I kept telling myself this is dumb i'm never gonna watch this shit again and then i just kept going down the rabbit hole and i right. had seen one and two uh when they were pretty much released mm-hmm. uh but uh so what's the third one the devil wears prada and made me do it uh, <laughs> so that one uh i watched on saturday or sunday i don't remember which but just recently watched it and so since it's out in theaters right now as well as streaming that's kind of how it is, right? It's like a twofer. Uh, yeah. It's part of the HBO deal. Yes. Um, yeah. So, excuse me. Watch that. And then just kind of kept going. I was going to watch The Nun last night. Uh, but after Annabelle, I was just not feeling it. I was like, I got I to gotta go. <laughs> I can't do this. <laughs> I didn't have the energy to watch The Nun. Yeah. Well, there you go. You're, you're not missing out on much. I mean, at a certain point, maybe watch it. But... I don't know, because Valak is supposed to be this big bad and the main, you know, they set they set up Valak in what at the end of Conjuring one. And I think like an Annabelle and then you, Conjuring two, she's the big bad. And then they have to do a prequel, all this fun stuff. 
And honestly, I was so underwhelmed. I'm just like, uh, when is it over? So that's too bad. Yeah. So uh, this week we're doing the Conjuring: The Devil Made Me Do It, which is the newest one. It's available now on HBO Max. I think it's good all the way through July third. Maybe. Yeah. Something like um, that. But hopefully you get a chance to watch it. Uh, but the, the, the decision to, to choose this movie comes mainly from our discussion over uh, Fargo a few weeks back. And Fargo is based off a true story. And it got us talking about uh, how close to the truth are these movies we love so much to watch. So um, we're like, yeah, what the hell? Let's let's do this one. It's based off a true story, right? <laughs> In quotes. <laughs> so I uh, decided to, to take a take a different route. And we don't typically do brand new movies on this show. We've only done a couple. Uh, I think uh, The Irishman might have been one because that was one mm-hmm. that was brand new on Netflix. And mm-hmm. I'm not sure if Joker was already out when we decided to do it or if it was a, the- a theatrical one. It was already out, but it oh, okay. was. It, I mean, it had only been out for maybe like a year Okay, like, so since the theater. So aside from the Podsnack episodes of like 1917 and Lighthouse and JoJo. JoJo, yeah. This is like one of our few uh, actual this movie just came out kind of podcast. yeah exactly so there's that uh the movie is directed by michael chavez who you might know from the curse of la llorona uh it was written by david leslie johnson mcgoldrick <laughs> that's uh, one person there's no joke there it's just a long name and uh the cast includes patrick wilson vera famiga uh rurari <laughs> rurari i think it's O'Connor. rory i think is it rory, rory? maybe yeah Okay, we'll say Rory O'Connor, Sarah Catherine (laughs) Hook, Julian Hillard, Keith Arthur Bolden. A lot of three-person names in this cast. And and the always delightful John Noble. I love this man so much. He is still to this day my favorite interview of all time. I got to interview him uh, prior to the season five of Fringe, and he was just delightful. Love him so much, and I wish him nothing but the best for now and forever. Uh, critical reception. This is interesting because the this is another movie where the critics don't like it, but the audience does. Uh, 56% on the old Rotten Tomato meter there, but 84% audience score, which isn't half bad, uh, especially for a horror movie, because uh, I would argue that horror fans are just a little bit stubborn when it comes to uh, rating their motion picture shows, and uh, it's hard to please a horror fan sometimes. So... Kudos to, to the conjuring the devil made me do it for getting an 84 on Dang. the tomato meter there. Yeah, that's impressive. Mm-hmm. So uh Kimber Myers from Crooked Marquee says, with its third with its third act stumbles, it never quite catches either the conjuring or the conjuring two, but it proves there is still spirit left in this franchise. I don't know about all that. Uh let's see here. Amy Nicholson from Film Week. Uh, in Los Angeles, says, I don't find these films frightening, but the Warrens as a couple with their daffy retro updos and the look quasi-Victorian and Brady Bunch, uh, they have uh, have grown on me by this point. They are just dorky, and I like watching them hang out. So yeah, uh, Lorraine's outfits are just in the wrong fucking century, man. Like every time I'm, <laughs> like even for 1970s, I'm like, what? When does this movie take place? Like 1700? I don't understand what's happening right now. Um, but that's just her style. She's a she's a quirky lady. Amanda the Jedi from Amanda the, the Jedi. Really stretching that baseline. <laughs> I, I can't make it up. Uh, really stretching that, quote, 
based on a true story tagline, eh? Uh, even the devil is bored with this one. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, that's harsh. The devil. <laughs> Maybe it should be Amanda the Sith. She's mean. Yeah. Ah, see. That's uh, quarter 66. <laughs> and we will leave it at that. Yeah, it's accurate. But... That, that is also accurate as well. Um, the budget was $39 million. It grossed $59 million in the United States and Canada. Opening weekend, it did $24 million, and that was on June 4th, 2021. And it has grossed a whopping $161 million. This franchise is uh, just crushing it over the last decade. And with numbers like this, it makes you wonder... Uh, is it over or are they going to keep going? It sounds yeah. like they're going to keep going. <laughs> yeah, there's there's no way they're stopping. They they have too much and they've invested too much and the pieces are in place for multiple sequels. So, I mean, I hope they keep doing them, especially if they go straight to HBO Max. I mean, it's that's probably not going to happen. But still, you know, it's um it's fun to put on every once in a while. They're on a gravy train with biscuit wheels. There you go. Get out of here, biscuit. Yeah. Um... <laughs> I was playing D&D over the weekend and I kept calling the bar or the inn or the tavern, wherever I kept calling it the musky biscuit. I don't remember what it was actually Gross. called, but I was calling it the musky biscuit. <laughs> Gross. Yeah. And I will never eat biscuits again now. Thanks. The Leaky Cauldron. That's in London. Yeah. So uh, Lorraine Warren, played by Vera Farmiga, your buddy, in the yeah. Conjuring movies, died of a natural death um, at, at age 92 on April 18th, 2019. She had been a head consultant on all of the Conjuring projects and an avid follower of the series. Well, of course she was. It was the money. She made, made more money. Money, money, money. money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is the second movie about the Brookfield murder that happened in 1981. The first one murder, was... Murder, you say? <laughs> the Damon murder case. <laughs> In 1983, when Father Caster, John Noble, says that he prefers to keep his satanic objects locked up in his basement, like keeping guns off the streets, Ed and Lorraine exchange a meaningful look. In The Conjuring 2013, Ed said the exact same thing to a reporter while giving a tour through his basement full of cursed artifacts. Both The Conjuring 2 and The Conjuring the Devil Made Me Do It featured Lorraine's visions and her ability to astral project. The Conjuring did not delve into the exact visions Lorraine was having. The first draft of the script was based by bringing in Arnie Johnson. Writer David Leslie Johnson McGoldrick, he's got a long name, interviewed Arnie and his wife Debbie and got their accounts. There were also I think other it's Arn. I thought I think I thought they called him Arnie. The, I don't know. I kept saying Arnie, but then I kept watching videos of people calling him Arn, so oh. I don't know. I feel like in the, the movie they called him Arnie, but okay, well, Arn. Let's say Arn. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know anymore. We'll say it all I, fast. I are confused. <laughs> we'll say it all fast. We'll go Arn, Arn, and got their accounts. Uh, there were also other interviews that they pulled and added to the first draft. The first draft was very close to his accounts and his experience. However, later, certain liberties were taken and few other stories from the Warren's case files were threaded in. Ah, that's just so weird, in my opinion. Like, yeah, I was crazy, but I'm not crazy anymore when it involves money and a movie about myself. So whatever. So uh, this is a spoiler. So if you have not seen this, uh, I'm going to read a synopsis. You can skip ahead maybe like two or three minutes. Anyways, in 1981, demonologists Ed and Lorraine Warren document the exorcism of eight year old David Glatzel. Glatzel. Yeah. Att uh, attended by his family, his sister Debbie, her boyfriend Arn Johnson, and father Gordon in the town of Brookfield, Connecticut. During the exorcism, Arn invites the demon to enter his body instead of David's. 
Ed witnesses the demon transport itself from David's body to Arne's while he suffers from a heart attack and is taken to a hospital in a comatose state. The following month, Ed wakes up at the hospital and reveals to Lorraine that he witnessed the demon enter Arne's body. She sends the police to the kennel where Debbie and Arne's apartment is and where Debbie works, warning them that a tragedy will occur there. Arne and Debbie return to their apartment. After feeling unwell, Arne murders his landlord, Bruno Sals, under the influence of demonic possession by stabbing him 22 times. Ventenose. Yeah, yeah. With the support of the Warrens, his case becomes the first American murder to trial to claim demonic possession as a defense, resulting in the beginning of an investigation into David's original possession. The Warrens later discover a satanic curse passed on through a witch's totem and meet with Kastner, a former priest who previously dealt with the disciples of the Ram cult. He tells them that an occultist had intentionally left the totem, resulting in the creation of the curse of the Gladsfills, causing the possession of David. The Warrens travel to Danvers, Massachusetts uh, to investigate the death of Katie Lincoln, who was also stabbed 22 times. Detectives had found a totem at the home of Katie's girlfriend, Jessica, who was missing. Lorraine initiates a vision to recreate the murder and discovers that Jessica had stabbed Katie under the influence of demonic possession before jumping to her death off a cliff, which allows detectives to recover her body. The Warrens travel to the funeral home where the body rests and Lorraine touches the hand of the corpse to help find the location of the occultist. Lorraine, in a vision, travels through the dark tunnel through a dark tunnel and witnesses the occultist attempting to have Arn kill himself, but stops her just in time. Lorraine is threatened by the occultist, and she tells Ed at, that the connection works both ways. Works both ways. The Warrens return to their house in Connecticut to investigate further. Ed briefly loses consciousness and was later influenced by the occultist into killing Lorraine, but was stopped by Drew in time. They later found the totem in their house, which was hidden inside a vase of black roses. Drew gives a book of Stregharian witchcraft he found to Ed and states that in order for the curse to be lifted, the altar in which the occultist operates must be destroyed. When they realize Katie, that's very deus ex machina, by the way, when they realize Katie attended nearby Fairfield University, they begin to assume the occultist is operating in the area. Lorraine returns to Kastner for help, and he reveals that he had raised a daughter named Isla Isla in violation of the... Isla. Isla. Isla Bonita. Isla, Isla Nublar. Isla. In violation of the requirement. Nublar. I hardly know her. There you go. Of clerical cel- celibacy in the Catholic Church. That's a lot of C's. He tells Lorraine that during his research, <laughs> his, her fascination for the occult grew later, becoming the occultist. Kastner gives Lorraine access to the tunnels where she locates the altar and then is found by the occultist, who then kills him. And he says, my line has ended. As well, soon as <laughs> Ed soon come sing me a song. <laughs> Ed soon arrives Are and you find... <laughs> songs not good at fit for my horse. <laughs> Ed soon arrives and finds his way into the tunnels through a locked drain hole with a sledgehammer. He's briefly possessed by the demon and attempts to kill Lorraine, but she retells him of the time that they first met, reminding him of their love. Ed regains his consciousness and destroys the altar, saving himself, Lorraine, and Arn. The occultist arrives at her broken altar, only to be killed by the demon she had summoned after failing to complete the curse. Ed places the cup from the altar in their room of artifacts, along with the Valak painting and the Annabelle doll. Arn is convinced or sorry, Arn is convicted of manslaughter, but ends up serving only five years of his sentence after marrying Debbie while in prison. What? Ed shows Lorraine a replica of the gazebo in which they first kissed. 
end of the movie The Conjuring 3. <laughs> it's an altar, Greg, or you might call it a chopa. <laughs> Love it. JC was Carpenter. <laughs> You're in good company. Yeah. Oh, my God. Is that it? Is that the motion picture show? That is. Oh, my gosh. I know. That stresses me out. It was so good it went by that quick, right? <laughs> yeah. It went It went pretty quick. I'm not going to lie. I, uh, I'm excited that the synopsis is over. <laughs> So right. first impressions, where are you at with the conjuring, the devil wears Prada and made me do it? Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm glad I watched it, like I said, and I'm glad I was on HBO Max and I love horror films and I really love the conjuring franchise. But this one didn't really do anything for me. I thought it was really boring and I felt like it was an episode again, like the nun. I felt like this was a 30 minute episode that could have been, I don't know, on the X-Files or something. It just. It was all over the place. It was messy. The The only good thing about it, like I, I was talking about before, was uh, Ed and Lorraine's relationship. I think uh, Patrick, Patrick Wilson and, and Vera Farmiga do a really good job at making you care about them. But they also kind of didn't do much in this film, if that makes any sense. So I'm glad I watched it, but uh, I don't need to watch it again at all ever <laughs> <laughs> not even if there was story. a fire <laughs> yeah all right um so we're of the three conjuring films not counting the whole rest of the universe what is your ranking order uh it's got to be one two three probably you know and i was thinking about two and i was like i think i said earlier i was like oh i like i think i like two better than one and that's mm-hmm. wrong uh i think one for how brilliant it was where they there was like no blood in that movie. It was all just really good, creepy scares, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I enjoyed the hell out of uh, the first one. I think it's, it's one of the, the better horror films made in the last decade easily. And yeah, I'd, I'd have to say one, two, three. All right. That's fair. Yeah. I don't remember if it was last week or the week before we were talking about it. Yeah. But I think we were, I was saying number two and I, I really liked number two just cause that whole house possession thing. Like he's like, oh, I'm old bill, whatever, bill Walton and yeah. get out of my house. Like that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. He's like, we ain't had nothing but moldy old bread for three stinking days. <laughs> Platform nine and three quarters. Think you're being funny. Do you? <laughs> he was fat. <laughs> yeah. He's all got the remote clicker thing and yeah. he's just like changing the channel. He's like, ah, I want to watch my stories. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, let's just keep this gross ass chair tucked in the shadows in this room. That's, oh, that's a good oh, way of doing it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm a one, two, three on this one. Um, I, because I, I, when you mentioned that you like two, I guess it was like, we'll say it was last week. I was like, really? So then I had to rewatch it. And as I'm watching, I'm like, oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I like. I, I liked two. I thought it was. It was cool. But yeah, I think. I think one is is a lot better because that family dynamic is just so creepy, and especially when the demon possesses the mom and they try to move to the hotel. It's like, no, dude, you can't do that. The demon's already got his claws sunk in, and you know, I thought that was really cool. And just the whole backstory of like the mom hanging herself and killed her kids and whatever. Right, right. Yeah, no, the first one's crazy. Um, and two, they got the little boy that's just going on and on about biscuits. <laughs> yeah. The musky biscuits. <laughs> oh, geez. All right, so not counting documentaries. We'll just pretend that those are mostly true. Uh, do filmmakers have a responsibility to respect the truth when it comes to films based on a true story, or does that responsibility land on the viewer to take films at entertainment value and nothing more? 
I don't think the filmmaker ha- has to be truthful in any stretch because, I mean, it's fiction. That's 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 what this is. This is entertainment. Um, nothing rare. Or, nothing really ever is truthful and entertaining. So when you see a movie that is like based on a true story, there are so many liberties taken in it that people just don't understand. I think in horror films, the added element of, you know, this is based on a true story, like the Blair Witch and stuff. I mean, after you saw the Blair Witch, you probably didn't step foot in the woods, right? Yeah. And 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 with Jaws, you know, I mean, people didn't step foot in the water. It's like, fuck that. So I think that whole idea just terrifies people. Um, so if anything, it just adds to the element for the, for the director. But no, they don't have any obligation to be truthful. That's Tarantino kind of said it too. He's like, it's not my job to teach you history. You have to you have to learn about the Sharon Tate murders on your own. Like I'm going to re- revise the shit out of it, but it's not my job to teach you history. So right. I yeah, I fully agree with him. OK, that's fair. I will I will take that answer. So in this film, though, um, Arn's defense lawyer pleaded uh, he is not guilty by reason of demonic possession. Uh, we get some weird looks around the courtroom and then the scene is over. However, in reality, the judge ruled that no such defense could uh, you know, ever be proven and was therefore infeasible in a court of law where you led to believe that in the film, the judge was like, all right, man, whatever you say. <laughs> or, or, or were you more of uh, it's not going to work? I didn't think it was going to work. Um, and they didn't spend much time with it. And I think that was one of my biggest issues with the movie is the attorney is kind of, you know, she tells him like, this is crazy. This isn't going to happen. No one's ever done this. And then she says, you need to give me hard evidence. But then they never really revisit the court scene. You're kind of hoping that it'll be this courtroom drama. And I love me a good courtroom drama, my cousin Vinny. But it's not. Nothing in in it convinced me that this was going to work. So it almost seemed like a MacGuffin. There was no real point of them actually showing them in court or talking about the defense, even though the damn movies based off of that defense. So I don't know. I think they needed to pick a lane for this movie and and, and they couldn't. They just kind of were all over the place. It should have just been a strict courtroom drama, in my opinion, with with a little little demonic possession and some shaking of some water glasses and chairs along the way or something. (laughs) But that didn't happen. (laughs) Nope, none of that. But the filmmaker doesn't have the responsibility to tell the truth, so he could have had all kinds of creepy crawlies and weird shit happening in the courtroom, and it wouldn't have mattered. Exactly. Like he could have he could have had Arn look over and then see Bruno just like in a bed sheet with a whole bunch of stab wounds on him or something like that, and he could have freaked out, and you could have had a cool dramatic moment in the courtroom. There's so many options that you could have done with this, and it still would have been just as effective, and it would have been different than their their movies that they've done so far because they've done two haunted house films right and this one is completely different well i think they already thought it was different uh they were like hey let's ditch the haunted house thing and just go with uh with uh, the haunted basement (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i don't know it's it's weird i i honestly don't think that there's a movie here no there's not (laughs) um so so one thing that I find weird about this movie is that Arn is hallucinating quite a bit. Uh, you know, apparently the, the the demon left the little boy's body and went into him. Um, you know, then and when Debbie is dancing with with Bruno Mars, uh, they <laughs> they all look you know close and snuggly. Uh, but then but then it cuts to them apart and they're kind of dancing and doing their own thing. And Arn is clearly having a bit of a freakout. But then when he sees Bruno go crazy town banana pants and morph into a demon, um, 
things change a little bit. Arn, Arn grabs Debbie. They run down through the kennel. Uh, then he sees like this little, this fucking demon coming right for him. So he's literally defending himself against a demon and he's, and he's murdering the guy. Sure. That's not what really is happening, but that's what he's seen in his mind. At least that's what the movie has led us to believe. And so for me, that was, that was a little strange because when it comes to these possessions, normally uh, this demon takes hold of the host and the host is, is buried somewhere in the subconscious or some shit. And then now we have this this whole idea of of Arn who is in control of his body, but not in control of what he's seen. And he is he has now committed a horrible murder. And I do think Annabelle kind of played with that a little, at least the first one. I didn't watch the other ones, but you know, the 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 poor mom was just having freakouts for, yeah. for an hour and a half. And so uh she was just out of her head. And so for me, I think it's weird to hear this plea for demonic possession when in his mind, based on this movie, he's literally trying to save, you know, his Debbie's life by slaying this demon. So I'm confused. I'm like, I don't understand why this is a demonic possession movie when he is seeing demons and he's not. Whereas traditionally the demons like fuck off and Oh, I'm going to take this body <laughs> and I'm going to take over the world. I'm going to burn your house down and all this other bullshit. And that, that doesn't happen in this one. Right. Yeah, it's I mean, I guess if, if if he's trying to claim the devil made me do it. Well, what does the devil want? What what does this demon Money. want? Yeah, like what does this demon want? Because it's not explicit. They, they say, you know, the demon wants a soul and it has to go follow a pattern. But why can't the demon just take any soul? Why does it got to do the whole child to lover to whatever else their third thing was the paradigm? Um, it, it, it's bullshit. And I, I think that you're absolutely right. They were really grasping for straws with this. I mean, him by him saying the devil made me do it. That's him confessing to the murder. And I just didn't see how, how it was viable. Cause I mean, even that whole scene with Bruno, I really had no idea what was going on. I didn't know how they were painting Bruno. Like if he was some predator, if he was a piece of shit roommate, but he just seemed like a drunk guy at like 10 in the morning dancing with, uh, Arn's girlfriend in a friendly manner, but a kind of real creepy manner. And, and he's, like, just part- he's like, just party with me. Like, let's dance. Yeah. I want to party with you. I know. <laughs> and I just was like, what, how, how does he, you know, I, I thought that they could have made that moment a little bit creepier. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. So uh, I was really, I did some reading about that whole incident and they did go get like lunch and he was drinking. And so he was drunk when they got back to the house. Um, so they were kind of just showing them he, him in sort of a drunken state in this movie. Uh, hmm. Somewhat being similar to what the events that happened uh, for realsies. Um, but it is worth noting that in the movie, just before the murder, uh, which would have been in February of 1981, Lorraine contacts the police to warn them of a tragedy. Uh, according to the the Wikipedia page, which we all know is fact and, and gospel, <laughs> uh, in, 19, in October of 1980, the Warrens contacted Brookfield Police to warn them that the situation with the Glatzels uh, was becoming dangerous uh, some four months prior to the actual murder. But to to go along with uh, Lorraine's super mega powers and premonitions and weird feelings, uh, it's good for the gander when it comes to this movie. Right. Um, but I will say that there just isn't enough material to, to make this movie. Uh, it is, it is seriously lacking. If they would have gone the, the full blown, you can't handle the truth and turned it into a courtroom 
uh, drama, then yes, sure. he deserved to die, and I hope he burns in hell. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, that's that's what the movie needs because uh, instead uh, we we learned about this whole totem thing, and so now we learn that there's a totem that was left behind to fulfill a curse on the Glatzels, causing the possession of David, and we learn that um, this isn't the first time someone was stabbed twenty two times, and if not stopped, it's going to happen again. Uh, but here's where the movie gets even more lame for me. Lorraine figures out the whole goddamn thing. She goes back to Lord Denethor's house. <laughs> And is shown the tunnels that lead to the satanic altar. Uh, but the rub is when Ed destroys the altar, causing the demon to take uh, to the cultist instead. And he 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 is actually being Ed. That is, he's being uh, possessed, right? Mm-hmm. And temporarily, we'll call it a temporary possession. And then Lorraine's like, "Oh my God, remember that time when we first met and we were on that thing? And we fell in love and it was amazing." And then he's like what you're right i shouldn't be possessed this is amazing check this shit out i'm gonna destroy this altar and i'm gonna take the sweet cup it's the power uh, of love exactly (laughs) so he destroys the altar then the demon's like well i need somebody so then it takes the cult member (laughs) i didn't fucking drive all this way to go home empty-handed so he takes the the cult member and goes goes back down like a goes down like a sweet muffin and um and it's amazing and then i feel like this whole subplot of this curse and this cultist is the only reason this movie exists. This is a, this is a 22 minute documentary on like, uh, you know, the E channel or something like this. There's, <laughs> there's nothing here. It is, it is completely like fabricated to make a 90 minute movie and it, it didn't need to happen. Um, and, and in my mind, you know, by the very idea of destroying this altar and with it, the proof that somebody is out there causing these possessions uh, is just in poor taste to the victim and the victim's family. What about you? Yeah, I agree with you. Absolutely. I think there's not enough material here to make a movie and even watching some YouTube breakdowns on fact versus fiction stuff. It's yeah. For for this one, it, it just seems like there was a lot of filler and they were really scrounging around because I mean, it'd been what, when was a uh, conjuring two came out? Look, it says right here, um, 2016. So you have a five year gap in between movies, whereas the first one, there was only a three year gap. So people are Jones in. They're like, I don't want I don't want your I want my Sharona. And so they wanted uh, wanted another conjuring. Lerona. <laughs> exactly. Um, so they wanted another conjuring film, but I don't think they just had enough material because you, you have to make it kind of slightly loosely based on, on, on real events of them, but I don't know how much these Warrens did. So this, this is one of those ones that I think again, not to beat a dead horse would have benefited so much more from a courtroom drama. Cause there's a film right there. I, I, I don't know why they strayed to the totems and all this weird shit. It just was, <laughs> yeah. it, it didn't make any sense. It's silly. I know. I think they're, they're banking. So a couple of the critics on that rotten tomato thing there was banking, on, on the the characters of the Warrens and sure. people like them. You like the Warrens. You like their relationship. Um, and, and that was going to be the selling point for this movie is revisiting the Warrens on their adventures. Uh, in the meantime, all that did for me was just sort of underplay and downplay this person that was murdered. Um, and that makes me sad. Yeah. And well, and... I mean, but if if you if they wanted to do that, if that was truly the filmmaker's intention, then they should have 
just done the courtroom drama because I feel like that is much more of a character piece where you can focus on them and they can do their whole Scooby-Doo thing on the side, just like A Time to Kill, where, you know, Sandra Bullock's researching things. So is Matthew McConaughey. But the majority of that film takes place in the courtroom. And that's where the real bread and butter is. And I think that that's what they should have done. And that was a very egregious error by Mr. Chavez. I don't know how much time the Warrens spent in the courtroom. I don't know if they were there during the arraignment or if they were there and and if they were only there for the verdict or if they were there every single day. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because I'm always led to believe that they're off on their lectures and book tours and on TV. (laughs) Yeah, ghost chasing. They're in it for the money, not the science. (laughs) And so I don't I don't know. I this I was one when this happened. So um, it is as I'm not the expert. And that we should point that out that we are not subject matter experts when it comes no. to uh, whether it be the occult, whether it comes to murders or, or paranormal activity. I, I can tell you right now, the only thing that I know about paranormal activity is, is the movies that these stories are based off of. I have never taken a class earned my degree from home at University of Phoenix on <laughs> paranormal activity. I've, I've read a couple Wikipedia pages and watched some YouTube videos. This is clearly just uh, from the outside looking in and, and taking this information that may or may not be true at uh, face value. But we are both uh, BS experts. You can't BS a BSer. And that is actually, <laughs> I forgot I watched that because I bought uh, Role Models and I watched it and it is so funny. I was laughing the entire time. <laughs> It was pretty good. But uh, yeah, we are bullshit experts, though. I mean, that is, that is one thing. And so I agree with you. It's uh, these Warrens, man. <laughs> I think I think there are a couple of characters. I mean, I I I would not be surprised if they are 100 percent just like grifters that are taking people's money. <laughs> like, that's just someone has to do it. And there's a lot of people out there that want to believe. And and when you are vulnerable like that then then things happen or i do think that there are weird shit that happens in our in our plane of existence that we have no real fundamental explanation for why it happened um could be anything could be ghosts it could be a parallel dimension that just crossed over for half a second and caused a weird thing to happen who knows i don't know the answer i don't i know i doubt any of us ever will i know that so many people on this planet have seen unexplainable things and and that's okay I am 100% on board. If if you have seen a ghost or seen something weird happen, I will literally stop everything that I'm doing to hear your story, and I'll probably believe you. Um, that's just who I am. I'm like, oh, my God, that's fucking nuts. I can't believe that that happened. Um, but I will believe it. One, I'm just, I, I can't ever uh, refute anything like that. So I'd be like, all right, well, that's, that's fucking nuts. That'd be scary. You know, I'd, I'd have a nightlight on when I went to bed if something like that happened. Um, but that's just me. I've but seen I've seen the movie Ghost. I have too. I saw the drive-in. <laughs> Ooh, that's <Yeah>. sexy. <laughs> kind of. But when you're a kid, I was like ten, maybe eleven. <laughs> so, kind of went over my head a little bit. <laughs> you're like, you're like, Mom, can I do pottery after this? <laughs> yeah, take a take a pottery class. Yeah, it's oh, good stuff. Um, but yeah, so let's let's talk about the Warrens for a second. Um, on their Wikipedia page. Uh, there is a section called Notable Investigations, and I just want to talk about a couple of these because uh, most of the notable ones uh, did turn out to be part of the Conjuring universe. So that makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so first one on the list is Annabelle. It looks like this is in alphabetical order. <laughs> I ain't no detective <laughs> nothing, but I feel like this is kind of how it's going. But 
well, I guess it's not because the next one's Amityville. Um, so maybe it's in chronological order. Uh, but it says Annabelle. According to the Warrens, in the year of 1968, two roommates claimed their Raggedy Ann doll was possessed by the spirit of a young girl named Annabelle Higgins. The Warrens took the doll, telling the roommates it was being manipulated by an inhumane presence and put it on display at the family's occult museum. The legend of the doll inspired several films in the Conjuring universe and is a recurring uh, leitmotif in many others. So right there is interesting because it's a Raggedy Ann doll Mm -hmm. and we've all seen one of those and they're stupid and they're gross, but wouldn't it be a thousand times more interesting if we made the creepiest looking doll ever out of like porcelain (laughs) and gave it little bloody eyes and, and made it do fun shit. I mean, that right there is a perfect example of Hollywood changing things a little bit to make it a more interesting story. Mm -hmm. Not going to be offended by a Raggedy Ann doll. Right. Would you be more terrified if Annabelle, not necessarily a Raggedy Ann doll, but looked like just a normal doll that wasn't uh, as demonic? Because, I mean, when I look at certain things like a really scary house, I'm like, I'm not going in there. But if it looks like a three story normal house with like bidets in the bathroom, I'm going to go in there and uh, oops, it's haunted. So I think it'd be really interesting if they used a different model for Annabelle because it's so unsuspecting. But mm-hmm. um, I mean, but but inversely, maybe the image of that doll will stick in your head because I know people who were terrified of Annabelle. And like when I was growing up, I didn't like dolls, um, you know, killer dolls and stuff. But I as I got older, I think that they are the least scary of the things. And uh, if Chucky was real, I would kick the shit out of him. If any of uh, Charles Band's characters are real, like Blade and all them, I would kick the shit out of them. So. Annabelle never really scared me, but I'm just curious on on if they did something different with it and made it a little more normal or realistic, if that would have had a, a different effect. Right. Yeah, I don't know the answer to that. But, but I um, mean, yeah. when I went into her, so in the first Annabelle movie, uh, the the mom is a bit of a doll enthusiast. She has a whole oh, room. Yeah. It's creepy. With them. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. To me, that whole room of dolls is Fuck creepier that. than just yeah. one single one. Yeah. They're all wearing kind of the same outfit. Um, as part of this collection, uh, wasn't really my cup of tea. I didn't find the movie scary at all. Uh, in fact, I felt like it was a thousand hours. It was, it felt like the longest movie ever. <laughs> it is long. I, I was like, I thought it said 97 minutes. Why am I still watching it? It's not working. It's supposed to work. What the fuck? <laughs> it was so long. I looked at my watch. It was like 10 o'clock. I'm like, what time did I start this goddamn movie? It's still going. And, uh, I don't know. Where, where do you stand with the Annabelle series? And have you watched all of them? So I have seen when you said the first, I'm like, wait, are you talking about the creation? So I'm talking about Annabelle, the one that came out in like 20, whatever, 14. So I saw Annabelle and I saw the creation one. So the prequel to that, I did not see Annabelle comes home, which is really interesting, by the way. They cast uh, a girl named Mackenzie Grace, who's she's a good actress, but they casted her as the Warren's daughter and not the girl that they used in like four other films. And even in this movie, The Devil Made Me Do It, they recast the girl that they've used in the four other films. And I'm like, wait, what? Why did they do that? Why didn't they just stick with Mackenzie Grace or whatever her name is? Anyways, um, I have not seen Annabelle Comes Home, but I already know what kind of happens. And I think just for continuity sake for the franchise, I should probably watch it. But um, I don't know. They're okay. The creation one was kind of cool, but there were a lot of weird moments in it. And 
I think the only thing I liked, which is why I like prequels sometimes, is when it ties stuff together. And so like at the end, spoiler, when she goes to the home and she's like, I'm Annabelle and she can walk now. And then it's like flash forward to 20 years later and she's murdering her folks, which is the start of uh, Annabelle, the the original movie. So, um, yeah, I don't know, man. I'm they're OK. I I know people who absolutely love it, but I, I, I think I've seen much better horror films than that. But right. they're still popcorn flicks. I'll still, you know, watch the shit out of them, especially if they came out during Halloween. I'd be like, yeah, let's let's do this right away. I don't think I realized that in Annabelle Comes Home that the Warrens are in it so much. Aren't they are? Wait, they are in it a lot. It See, says, I haven't seen it. Says I haven't stars seen Vera Farmiga and Patrick oh. Wilson. I didn't even know they were in it for crying out loud. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought re- it was like going to be like at the beginning of Annabelle where the two girls are talking to what mm-hmm. we presume to be uh, the Warrens giving mm-hmm. the doll away. Hmm. Sort of like Hollywood hocus pocus to fake that they're there, but not there. Yeah. Well, you got to get the butts in the seats and they love the Vera Farmiga. Yeah. She's uh, she's very hot. So another <laughs> kick or something. <laughs> <laughs> All of your wildest right. dreams will come true. <laughs> yeah. Vote for Pedro. <laughs> so uh, moving on to Amityville, uh, the Warrens are probably best known for their involvement in the 1975 Amityville horror in which a New York couple, George and Kathy Lutz claim that their house was haunted by a violent demonic presence. So intense that it eventually drove them out of their home. The Amityville horror conspiracy authors Stephen and Roxanne Kaplan characterized the case as a hoax. Lorraine Warren told a reporter of the Express Times newspaper that the Amityville horror was not a hoax. Nay, not a hoax. <laughs> uh, the, re- the reported haunting was the basis for the 1977 book, The Amityville Horror, and adapted into a 1979 and 2005 film of the same name. While also serving as inspiration for the film series that followed, the Warrens' uh, version of the events is partially adapted and portrayed in the opening sequences of The Conjuring 2 back in 2016. According to Benjamin Radford, the story was refuted by eyewitnesses, investigations, and forensic evidence. In 1979, lawyer William Weber stated that he, Jay Anson, and the occupants invented the horror story over many bottles of wine. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, hmm. So it was fake. It sounds like. I mean, it sounds like it is, but uh, there's there's all kinds of like rabbit holes and, and, and theories and conversations and thousands of YouTube videos on this. Uh, eventually, the the Lutz the Lutzes took like a polygraph test and uh it was like this whole thing where they got the top five polygraph experts in america to to check them out and um the results did not indicate lying so Hmm. there's that but again is it does that make it true i don't know if you believe it then then it must happen right right (laughs) so so who knows (laughs) Um, i'm a little torn to be honest with you because the enemy of horror was one of those movies where I told myself if my walls start to bleed, I'm I'm moving out. I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna call the church. I'm not gonna call whatever the Warrens are of 2021. I am just going to just leave everything. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna worry about the the what's or the whys. I'm just gonna GTFO. Yeah. Uh, have you ever seen an Amityville horror movie, either the 1979 or 2005 version? I saw the 2005 version with Mr. Ryan Reynolds and Melissa George. 
uh, it was uh, it was pretty okay. Um, it was creepy. I think that they they made it to be creepy, but I don't know. It's been so long since I've seen it. I probably saw it in 2006 and I had not seen the James Brolin one because I didn't they do some sequels after the original one. Yeah, I believe so. I only saw the original one. I, I got it on DVD at Best Buy in like 2000. I mean, I don't know if that necessarily discredits it if, if they're doing sequels based off of it. I think that right there might be enough to say how how fictional it is because it's like, wait a minute. So you're taking this true story and you're going to make spinoffs of it. Doesn't that essentially discredit what you were trying to say? Right. So the the pre the, the next round of owners uh, said, yeah, no, nothing ever happened. They lived in the house for like 10 years and they're like, no, that's good. Nothing ever happened. <laughs> we're fine. <laughs> uh, so there's that. These prices are murder right now on the market. <laughs> right. So, I mean, uh, and that whole that whole story started with that guy, DeFeo, that, that murdered his whole family, shot him while they were asleep in their beds. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that led to the, the foreclosure on the home. Then the Lutzes bought the home for a, a deal, a market steal, as it were, saved a lot of money. And and then I forget how many days, we'll say like two months later, they moved out. They're like, fuck this shit. <laughs> um, but I don't remember what it was. I, I believe it was a short duration. Mm-hmm. After 28 days, I just found it. Wow, that was fast. So after 28 days, they said, no, nah, this house sucks. <laughs> Give us our money back. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's crazy. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm good with that. So, um, you know, the, the Conjuring 2, as I mentioned, does open with the Amityville Horror and the Warrens visiting the unsettling site. Uh, it's here where we also meet the nun and we see the premonition of Ed's death. And this is one of those things where uh, when there is a medium at a table, uh, they're seeing things and communicating with people that the rest of the table is not. And that's very much what's happening in this scene. So there's this sort of inconvenience that exists when you have a medium doing this, establishing a dialogue on the other side and, and what's happening because to us, it doesn't look like anything, right? We're just along for the ride and whether it's true or not, we can only ever take their word for it. Right. Mm -hmm. That's where it gets tricky. Mm -hmm. So if you believe then then that's when you're going to have a really good time. Yeah. Kind of crazy. So here's where things get really interesting. So uh, the, the infield poltergeist, this is, this is basically where The Conjuring 2 takes place. Uh, in 1977, the Warrens investigated claims that a family in the North London suburb of Enfield was haunted by a poltergeist activity, while a number of independent observers dismissed the incident as a hoax carried out by the attention-hungry children, the Warrens were convinced it was a case of demonic possession. The story was the inspiration for The Conjuring 2, although critics say the Warrens were involved uh, to a far lesser degree than portrayed <laughs> in the movie. Much assholes. Fact, <laughs> uh, had shown up to the scene uninvited and had been refused admittance into the home. Uh, I would say... I'd say um, Guy Leon Playfair, a psycho, uh, what is this? A parapsychologist uh, who investigated the Enfield case alongside Maurice Gross also said the film greatly exaggerated the Warren's role in the investigation. He stated in 2016 that they turned up once and that Ed told Playfair the Warrens could make a lot of money out of the case. <laughs> and he corroborated the claim that the Warrens were not invited to the Enfield house and that nobody, even in the family, had ever heard of him until Ed Warren showed up. Do you know who I am? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Right? So 
that's that's pretty pretty crazy because in the movie so here's where it gets really interesting for me because there are these snippets of of showing the warrens having to deal with uh, public criticism you know they'll go on these shows and someone will accuse them of being fake um or it being all lies and we do get to see that so to be fair to the filmmakers they are showing that side and that struggle that the warrens have to go through mm-hmm. um i i do think that there was always these sort of to a certain extent the warrens are superheroes and they save the day and it's, it's amazing we, where would we be without them but then there's these moments like these where there are going to be critics of uh, people that are experts in paranormal activity or demonologists, like I think they call themselves. So <laughs> is, I don't know how you get a degree in that. I guess it's experience, right? No. It's all through experience. But I mean, I remember being a kid uh, and after watching like Poltergeist and, and a couple of other weird, like uh, maybe even the Amityville horror, uh, going to the library and just looking for books on paranormal activity. And I can find a goddamn thing. I'm like, there's, Stuff is it's hard to find. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, because I, I mean, it's just one of those. I mean, now it's probably a little bit easier. But I remember even when I was a kid in the 80s, there just wasn't a whole lot of publications uh, that were available in my public library. Whereas in movies, they just conveniently can find all this stuff. I mean, and I agree with you for your earlier statement about them being grifters. I feel like they're all that they're trying to do in these situations is to make that money. And maybe one time they got something right and and they were kind of on to something which led to a, oh that must have been demonic possession because i know the people from uh the first conjuring movie that family some of those family members have come out and uh, warner brothers has used that media for promotion of the conjuring and they talk about you know oh it was so real all these things happened blah 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 without going off on a tangent i think the family might be embellishing a bit on that too also to make money but the warrens really rode that and that was their meal ticket. And then everything else was kind of like, oh, see, look what we did here. It's like when Cartman thinks he's psychic and he's like, no, 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 no. And he has the battle with everybody. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I call bullshit on it. And I think the criticism is, is well deserved, especially when you have people who are like, no, 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 they weren't invited here. Nobody knew who they were. They're forcing themselves to those locations to try to be like, do you know who I am sort of situation? And and. It's a bummer that Warner Brothers is using that and making them the main players in situations that they had no business being in or they they weren't there. So that I think that can bother me when a filmmaker takes that kind of liberty. But at the same time, this world revolves around money and you already have these established characters who I admitted I absolutely adore. I think they're great. And um, it just does. It does really well for this. But. I don't want to entertain the idea that they were a real couple. They're completely fictional in my opinion, in my mind, I should say. Mm-hmm. But yeah. All right. Uh, I mean, we're just about done. You know, the, the, I remember reading something about these claims, at least for The Conjuring 2, and that uh, I feel like, it was late though, but I feel like the girls, um, you know, changed that. Like they said that it was a hoax. Yeah. Two sisters. Well, and there's a so the old man, Bill, whatever, there was a recording of him and then his son on record said, oh, that sounds like my dad. But the thing about it is he sounds like an old British man, which could have sounded like anybody. And and, and so when you when you want to believe so hard, you know, that something is that you're going to go ahead and run with it. And that's my biggest issue with these these mediums, you know, that are all over TV. And my mom used to watch them all the time when they were on like Oprah or the the 
Ricky Lake show and that kind of stuff. They would say things to these people. They're like, Oh, you know, Oh, your, your dad's so, so happy that you, you got a dog. And she's like, I had a dog once in my life. So that must be true. It's just, um, it's ridiculous. And it's, it's really sad that they prey on these people. But, um, yeah, I think it's, it's fascinating. And John Oliver did a really good, uh, piece on, on psychics. They actually hired one who she was this medium and they hired, uh, an, an actor to meet up with her, like at a Denny's. And then, they hired another actor to sit behind them. And so the first actor showed the medium like a picture. And I was like, I don't know what happened to my son. Can you tell me? And she's like, I'm so sorry. And I'm feeling this energy. She had all these crystals with her. She's like, I'm just feeling this energy. And you know, I'm so, I'm so sorry. He's no longer with us. And so she like starts crying and the guy gets up and he turns around and he's like, Hey, how's it going? And the lady is so shocked. She's like, wait, what? And doesn't put it together. She just decides to leave without comment. It was hilarious. Um, completely exposed her and, you know, for being such a fraud. And that's, that's what really makes me sad is, is these poor mediums, or I'm sorry, these poor, uh, victims, you know, these families are, are wanting closure and that's fine if they want closure and, and, and all this stuff, but these fucking mediums are, are monetizing it and, and hurting people in that sense emotionally. And it really drives me bananas, but anyways, yeah. <laughs> No, I mean, I get it, man. I mean, again, I, I think this is one of those things where so many people just want to believe it's true. But then, uh, you know, you're confronted with something like this where something is deemed a hoax. And it's like, well, is that one person just a hoax or is everybody a hoax? Is it all a lie? I think it is something that people very much want to believe. Mm -hmm. I mean, the idea of, of someone that you know and love passing, but then kind of sticking around uh, is a beautiful thing. Um, especially if they're not an angry ghost, but just kind of like a watching over you kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's pretty powerful, especially if you're a religious person. I mean, you are you are really putting your faith out there when with some of these stories, and that's okay. You're 100% allowed to do that. And I do believe that if you believe in God, then you should very well believe in ghosts. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you if you can believe the stories that exist in the Bible, then there's no reason for you not to believe that this house is haunted or that this person was uh, possessed in some way. Uh, right. I'm t and I'm totally okay with that. You believe whatever you want. Um, America, right? So, <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I swear to God, I'm, I'm not going to stop you from believing in what you want to believe. Absolutely. I think, I think that um, it is a very powerful thing. And, and I would certainly never in a million years want to take that away from you. So yeah. you keep rocking and rolling, baby. Well said. Uh, um, but as far as our buddy uh, Arn Johnson uh, this was the last one I wanted to talk about was uh, just a quick little breakdown here. And basically everything we've already talked about. But in 1981, Arne Cheyenne Johnson was accused of killing his landlord, Alan Bono. Ed and Lorraine Warren had been called prior to the killing to deal with the alleged demonic possession of the younger brother of Johnson's fiance. The Warren subsequently claimed that Johnson was also possessed. At trial, Johnson attempted to plead not guilty by reason of demonic possession, but was unsuccessful with his plea. The story serves as the inspiration for The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, 2021. The day after the killing, Lorraine Warren informed the Brookfield police that Johnson was possessed when the crime was committed. A media blitz soon surrounded the story, fueled in part by the Warrens, whose agents promised that lectures, a book, and even a movie detailing the gruesome case were in the works. Ooh. <laughs> um, I'm just going to stop right there. I'm not even going to continue reading. Because that's just like, I'm just seeing like cash registers uh, and ka, -chink -ka -chinks. Yeah. 
Uh, that right there just just made my heart sink a little bit, and uh, that makes me sad. But I mean, that's that's it. I mean, that's that's the Warrens. I mean, we can we can like the characters in these movies, and we can love that they saved the day and that everyone's gonna be fine. Um, but when I see stories like this, and, and just because it's printed doesn't necessarily mean it's true, mm-hmm. but it definitely. <laughs> put a seed of doubt in my mind where I'm just like, what the fuck? That's unfortunate. Yeah. And, and that's what I mean. That's such a bummer that money corrupts things, but you know, people need to believe what they need to believe. And I mean, it's no different than a CEO making money from a giant company too. Sure, They're just doing sure. it differently. But yeah, it is, it is really a, a bummer when you, when you read the truths, you know, like we talk, we always talk about don't, don't meet your heroes. Well, in these situations, don't research your favorite movies. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, and again, this is one hundred percent like just taken off the internet. Like this is pure Wikipedia verbiage that I'm reading to you. So, I mean, again, I am not an expert. I did not check all the citations. Like every every other paragraph and and sentence, I'm seeing like numbers like twenty one, fourteen, eighteen, and I've got to go to check these sources of where this stuff was cited. Mm-hmm. I didn't do any of that. I'm literally reading a Wikipedia page and and that is the information that I have. It, it's it's one hundred percent filled in by 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 fans and researchers and people that, that did all this work for me. And I don't even know if it's true. But just reading these words just sort of makes me think, wow, maybe the Warrens were an, an interesting <laughs> couple that just wanted to make money. And and certainly by by any stretch of the imagination, I want everyone to know their worth and and not do anything for free. I need you if you're an artist, I need you to make money. You know, I don't want you ever to 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 draw something, paint something, sculpt something, uh, write something for free. You deserve uh, all the money in the world. Uh, But when it comes to playing with people's emotions and and skirting the truth or bending the truth or just trying to make a buck and, and, and have a side hustle, um, I'm, I'm glad that you're making money, but I am sympathetic to the people that you are swindling. Yep, exactly. I agree, man. It's uh, it's a business. And at the end of the day, that's what it is. It's a business. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, even making these movies like we just talked about how this movie shouldn't have been made. I mean, they're squeezing as much as they can out of it. So right. not the Warrens, but the Warner Brothers, right? They're like, wait, right. wait, we need to continue this this uh, Conjuring extended universe. So we have to make it a, a third one. Then they're going to make like a super one where Annabelle joins up with the nun to fight the Warrens who then jo- join up with the reverends. And I don't know, it's going to be yeah. the Avengers level event. Everyone's doing, you know, Infinity War now. Right. And that, and that's fine. We'll have a huge crossover event. And and there'll be an infinity gauntlet that the nun's gonna wear, and it's gonna be n- awesome. And um, I'm I'm on board. I'll take it. <laughs> infinity gauntlet. It'll be an infinity habit. She'll have this awesome gold yeah. nun outfit, and they'll she, kick ass. She's gonna have a rosary. Yeah, she's gonna carry the blood of Christ with her. So, but I mean, I do I do think it's interesting, and and I will always be fascinated by paranormal activity, and that being uh, inexplainable things like science cannot explain what i just saw and i'm okay with that i'm 100 yeah. okay with that there's just gonna be i'm gonna be on the road out to vegas vegas baby vegas and i'm gonna see something be like oh what what was that <laughs> that was crazy or i'm gonna come home and 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 all my books are gonna be stacked straight up because no human beings would ever stack books this way um for all you ghostbusters fans out there 
and uh, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm gonna be okay with that. I'll be like, holy shit, that was weird. But I will say again, if my walls start bleeding, I'm getting the fuck out. No explanations, no whys, no who's, no what's. Just, just gone. Do you do you think everything needs to have an explanation? Uh, I think. I, as humans, we like to know the mm-hmm. whys <laughs> and the whats. Right. Um, I don't. When it comes to storytelling, I don't need an explanation. I, I just want a fun, like, romp. Like, like um, uh, we talked about Fury Road, right? The movie starts and there's this crazy world that's happening. I don't need any backstory. I, I can see that that the world has basically ended and this is what we're left with. And I'm on board. Right. Uh, but if it were like an actual... Uh, thing that happened where where I'm home and and my chair started moving, my cabinet started opening, plates started flinging themselves and and breaking shit or something like that. Um, I know that no one would believe me, and so I'm okay with that. And I would just say fuck it, I don't care, I don't need an explanation, I'm gone. Yeah, that because I mean we all know that being. When, when you're when someone doesn't believe you and there's like that that trust issue you're come off as a crazy person and that's like one of my biggest fears i would hate to try and explain this to somebody and then say i'm crazy you're okay whatever you say grandpa <laughs> you know like, <laughs> in my day netflix used to mail you dvds and i don't i don't want to be that guy i would just say you know what fuck it. it's not even worth it yeah what about, i don't know do you, man do you need an explanation um Maybe it's because I'm a little more realistic in, in certain settings, but like, and I live alone. So yeah, after I watch a scary movie, if I hear a bump at the night, I'm kind of like, Ooh, what was that? Or I'm like, I sure didn't leave those books on the floor like that. Why are they there? Um, in my scared mind? Yeah, I'm like, that must have been something. But then I stop and I realize, oh, nah, I probably fixed it. And even if, if not, I'm not going to investigate and try to figure out what's going on or set up experiments to see if ghosts are walking through my house or demons are there, but I don't, so I don't know if I necessarily need an explanation for certain things. Um, from a spiritual level, I don't want someone to try to tell me, well, that was God's plan or, or, you know, you have to pray to, to, to save yourself for this. I'm like, fuck that man. Things just happen and they don't have explanations sometimes. And and you know what? That's life. You just kind of have to kind of go with it. So, um, I think that's maybe why I'm not uh, I don't really get scared as much by these demonic movies. But the one thing I will say, because I've talked about it way earlier, is one of the only movies that has really terrified me was Paranormal Activity. And that was more because of the conventions they used in the filmmaking process and where you can't see the the creature pulling. uh, I always forget her name. Um, you can't see them pulling her down the stairs and stuff. That really terrified me just from a standpoint of like creepiness. But uh, I mean, it didn't make me lose sleep or anything like that. So, right. Yeah, I don't know, man. Um, I'm good. I mean, I get scared. Like uh, I know when I watched Rob Zombie's Halloween movie, his remake. Yeah, I, I had to go take out the trash and I started the movie like midnight and I'm like, I really don't want to go take that right now. <laughs> and, and so like, that was a legitimate scare. I was just like, fuck dude, this, this movie, you know, it really jarred something loose there, tiger. And I, I was nervous. Yeah. Um, and I do think it's a good thing to feel scared watching movies. I think it's fun. It, it, but these movies I don't think are scary. And I think part of the reason for that is once I see the ghost, then I'm not scared anymore. 
Mm -hmm. I can be scared when the cabinets are moving or when the bed's shaking or maybe you saw a shadowy figure or something. But the second I see the ghost, then I'm no longer scared. So like in Conjuring 2, when he has the fire truck and he wheels it into the the tent, Mm -hmm. I'm just waiting for this fucking tent to spit the fire truck back out. And I'm like, (laughs) oh, I don't like this. This fucking sucks. (laughs) You know, so stuff like that. 100% 100% is a thousand times more scarier than um, seeing the ghost be like, hey, you're in my chair. Let me have the clicker and blah, blah, blah. Like that yeah. doesn't do anything for me. My, yeah. my imagination uh, would definitely uh, run circles around any CG ghost that shows up on my screen. Yeah. And you know how much I love jump scares. They're like my favorite thing in the world. Right. <laughs> so. That is not true. <laughs> no, no, no. See, but uh, in The Conjuring, they're done very tastefully. Those are the ones that I really I don't like. know what a tasteful jump scare is. I, To me, a jump scare is a jump scare is a jump scare. I don't know what the difference is between a cheap one and... Is a cheap one like I'm in the kitchen and I'm doing the dishes and there's a... I look out the window and then a, a Doberman like jumps up and, and starts yeah. barking. That's yeah. a cheap scare? Yeah. Those are it, when it when it doesn't advance the story, it just is there to, to do that. Or if it's a, a trope that's been done countless times and it's it's just nauseating where someone like the look, medicine cabinet, yep, it's open and then yep. you close it and then there's something there look, looking at you, Candyman, even though I love that movie. It's just like, yeah, that was one. I'm like, oh, come on now. But I mean, that had a little more play into it because the whole mirror, you know, going through the wall to the to Candyman's lair and stuff. Right. Sometimes so, they yeah. tw- they change it though to where they close the medicine cabinet, nothing's there. Mm-hmm. But then when they turn, something's yeah. there. Like, so ah, oh, I got yeah. you, good, you fucker. <laughs> I like I like those or the unconventionals. You know, like there's rules of three, um, but maybe on the fourth one, it's like, whoa, what the hell? Because after after the third you're kind of like, oh, okay, nothing's going to happen now. And then the fourth time it happens, you're like, oh my God, you're completely right. taken off guard. So the things that are unconventional and they they break the mold a little bit, I think that is, uh, those are cool. Th- okay. th- that's when that can really get me. But otherwise, so, yeah, I don't need no Dobermans or no whatever. I don't know why I picked that dog. I, I love Dobermans, they're beautiful. But like, uh, I like it when someone's in the house and they're doing their own thing and then you see someone walk by down the hall or something like that. Stuff yeah. like that always scares the shit out of me too. I'm like, oh my God, don't go down that hallway. Or maybe in the background, if it's real subtle, like yeah. those those I like, um, but not when it's apparent to the person, because then, yeah, the person's then just going to grab a, a flashlight and be like, hello, and go check yeah. it out. I'm like, nope, going in my bedroom, just closing right. the door. So, <laughs> so in Conjuring 2, when a little boy is downstairs, he walks past the chair that has the guy in it and he doesn't even see it. We see it and it's scary. And then he goes up the stairs and he hits his foot on the fire truck and then he it makes the sound. He turns it off wheels it into the tent and I'm just waiting for horrible things to happen. So like the tension building is what I like the most. Is Absolutely. When I'm, I know I'm going to get scared and, it, and it's freaking me out and I just want it to happen. Yeah. But, uh, the sound has a lot to do with that too. It's yes. not just the visuals. It's 100% the music that's playing or not playing. Uh, and then how the, the musician or the composer just happens to to step on a bunch of symbols or some shit right when the jump scare happens. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> you know, it's always this loud noise. I'm like, fuck, could have done without that. Yeah. Um, so that is funny how that works. But um, lastly, uh, yesterday on Twitter, I, I made a poll. And uh, the question was, do you believe in ghosts? And at the time of this recording where there is just uh, actually one nine minutes left. How about that? There's literally nine minutes left. We had 240 votes. 63% say yes, they believe in ghosts, and 37% say no, they don't. Hmm. 
And uh, we got some comments too. Uh, is it cool if I read some of these comments? Yeah, please do. Okay. Um, so Chris says, I'm open to the concept of something getting left behind when we die, but I don't believe in ghosts in the whole disembodied spirit kind of way that I imagine most people think of. I've had a couple of weird experiences that are pretty unexplainable. And uh, that is at Chris Tourageous. So I think a, a lot of people are probably on that same level of thinking. Um, at Toku Chris says, I have stories, period. Um, we have uh, at MK Habit Addict says, I've seen one with four exclamation points. <laughs> then you have at Sela0079 says, yes, saw one when I was a child, possibly two, but not sure on the other due to having a fever at the time. <laughs> So, not, gonna, not to poke any holes, but, eh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Fever, fever dreaming, man. And that yeah. shit's real. I watched yep. a bone tomahawk while having a fever dreaming. <laughs> They're fucking eating each other, and I thought that was what I was dreaming. It turns out it happened. Who knew? Oof. Yikes. Yeah. Um, Aunt Raisin Brand says, I fell hard into the, into the no, but if someone tells me that they have a personal ghost story and that they're comfortable sharing, I drop everything and listen camp. I, I'm with you on that one, Raisin Brand. I, I am 100% in that same category to where mm -hmm. I'm like, no, nah, I don't think so. But then as soon as someone has a story, I'm like, what? Let me get my popcorn. Let me check this out. Let me take notes. Yeah. Um, let's see here. A couple more. Uh, at Largo621 says, I'll qualify my no vote by saying that I really wish I could. Like with aliens, I want to believe. So um, at Banhammer555 says, oh, boy. That's a memory I had locked away. <laughs> My goodness. Uh, one, uh, let's see here. Rounded Cube says, nope. Alexa, turn on lights. <laughs> That's fine. Um, let's see here. Uh, Christian Amp 3645 sounds made up. I will only believe if I experience it. I think that that's fair. A lot of people are in that same camp. And hmm. then at Lord Light 2 says, of course, exclamation point. And that is it. So thank you, everyone, to the 240 people that took the time to take that amazing little poll and um uh god bless i hope that uh if you want to see a ghost you do and i hope if you never want to see one ever then you don't <laughs> just keep your ghost ointment on hand yeah you gotta need that ointment there <laughs> right on man but there you have it that is that is all i have I, this is longer than i wanted it to be but no, i apologize for that. i had a really fun time now i'm gonna i need to finish watching the rest of them i'm gonna go watch the annabelle one the annabelle comes home be beginning creation sequel or whatever yeah <laughs> all of them wrapped in one <laughs> annabelle school's out yeah <laughs> and this made it, this time it's personal <laughs> She's training in the in the room, fighting, boxing other things, getting yeah, ready to defeat the Warrens. <laughs> there <Yeah>. you go. <laughs> She's got to get out of that cage, man. She's in that glass case. Yeah. And that's another thing. Why is it a glass case? I, I feel know. like this doll has it was in the garbage and then it came out of the garbage. If it can, it got driven all the way to a church and then and then ran all the way back. <laughs> I just feel like I feel like. The glass case isn't enough. I would throw it in a in like a furnace, like a Nightmare on Elm Street kind of furnace. And yeah, be done with it. They locked it in a room with a bunch of Bible verses on it, and that worked apparently. So I don't know. This is weird, man. Space. Yeah, yeah exactly. And Annabelle in space. She fights <laughs> Leprechaun in space too. <laughs> yeah. Now we're talking. There you go. All right. Well, that, cool. that's all I have, Zach. Awesome. Are we are we doing rankings for this movie? Oh fuck! A letter grade? Are you serious? Um, so I'll give this one a 
a D plus. Oof. <laughs> Uh, that's not a grade I like to give out. I'll tell you that right that now. That was not certified fresh. <laughs> that movie, it was, it was a. Com- I, I, I applaud them for trying to to continue this universe, but this movie was just lame and did not need to exist. Uh, if it would, if, if as you mentioned, the courtroom drama, that probably would have been a good idea. But this whole uh, story of going through the forest and and finding this this origins of this totem and what it all means. Uh, only for it to amount to nothing when it comes to the case and 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 Arn and his devil made me do it plea. Um, I, I I just don't think it's there. There's no movie here, right? I agree, um, but I think for me it's a C, just because I really like the whole connected universe stuff. Uh, there were some fun things they did with it, but yeah, it, you're right. There's no there's no movie here. They just they they had potential and then they were they were completely. I don't know. They disbanded it basically. So, um, yeah. D for disband. It's a, well, for me, it's a C, but C for crap. So (laughs) that sounds worse. I know it does. But, uh, (laughs) but yeah. Um, you know what? C is for suspension. Yeah. There you go. You know what? As a birthday gift to you, why don't you take us home? Whoa. I never get to take us home. Mm hmm. All right. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of the Don't Be Crazy Podcast. Remember to follow us on Twitter at DBCrazyPod at zatdale 60 and at edgy armo i love tweeting about the animals there especially <laughs> elephants so if you want elephants on your timeline give me a follow also you feel free to discuss the episode happy to chat especially if you disagree and and that's okay because we are a couple of crazy guys and uh please tell us what movie you want us to do next try to keep it something that's streaming so we can make it easy for all the listeners uh so if it's on some sort of digital platform where people are already paying that would be ideal. Um, also, be sure to check out the Geek Legacy podcast. Lots of fun. Talking about everything in the realm of entertainment news, so long as it falls in the geeky umbrella. Hosted by David, Randy, and myself. As well as the Pixelated podcast, hosted by Stephen K. Danes. Talking about video games. And I think Zach even has a podcast. Like, top five podcasts in all the world. So check that one out, too. <laughs> what is that podcast called? called uh the top five podcast we just did a very controversial one and it was uh top five pizza toppings that was fun oh man there you go top five check it out it is available on your favorite podcasting app uh just please don't be crazy thank you so much stick them up